I believe we are all hardwired to be creative. And the thing that makes us uniquely human is our creativity. Welcome to The Spark with Coco the Inspirationist. Join me for conversations with inspiring humans tapped into their creativity and solo chats as I get to know my own. Whether you're looking to spark inspiration, reconnect with your inner creative, or you're just starting to get to know your creative self, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Spark. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Coco the Inspirationist, and if you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new here, thank you for being here. This is episode 48, and it's episode number three in season four, where if you remember, we're exploring all the ways that creativity intersects with space. And this episode, I'm super excited to share with you because If you've been here for a little while, you know that my husband and I have a dream and now a goal of building an A-frame short-term rental here in the woods of Maine in the Lakes region and really looking to share this lifestyle with you, also having it be just dripping with inspiration for you and connection with nature and reconnection with yourself and your partner and I'm so excited to be on this journey. And so this episode, I actually invited another host on, and I've been I've been following her on Instagram for a little while now, and her and her now husband built a cabin about 20 minutes away from here in Freeport, Maine, and I've been fascinated. The design, the architect she used, the choices they've made, It is just so intentional. It's exactly what we are looking to do. And I was thrilled when she said that she'd come on it. We have a a lot of conversation around the behind the scenes hosting and intentional curating of the space for guests. Her and I share a mutual fascination with cabin culture and escapism. And when I found her account on Instagram, I was just immediately drawn to it. There's something about the intentionality of her cabin and her hosting experience in general that I just was drawn to, and I'm so pleased to have her on the podcast. I know you're going to love this conversation, so without further ado, my conversation with Janice Smith from Cozy Rock Cabin. Oh, one more thing. Go over to Instagram before you start listening and cruise their cabin so you know what we're talking about because we get a little bit specific about the details of it and it really is a beautiful build. So go check it out. It's at Cozy Rock Cabin. And now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Janice Smith. Well, thank you so much for being on this. I love having a podcast and kind of letting it just blossom. And Instagram is perfect for that because I don't do a ton of planning ahead. I just kind of like pick a season theme and then let the people come into my orbit. And so we've been talking recently on Instagram and I have been really fascinated watching. I can't remember. Maybe I've been watching you now for a few months, maybe like four months, three months. And I just kind of picked up where you guys, you guys are kind of finished now with your build, but I would love for you to share with us who you are and what's the magic that, that you put into this world currently. Hmm. So I'm Janice and I live in Hillsboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm a professional videographer. I run a video production company down here with a team of two other women. And, um, and oh, what kind of magic do I put on the world? That's such a tough question. Cause it's like, for me, I feel like there's these two worlds right now. And one of them is my work world where the magic is very much around growing a business that does things a bit differently um, and creates a team of female filmmakers, which already is a bit different in a industry pretty dominated by men, but we're constantly trying to think about as we grow this business, what are the most important stories to tell? And then how do we create a business that supports us as humans in addition to 
thinking about supporting our clients and telling uh, powerful stories. So that's like one part of my life. And then this whole other part of my life is this fascination with cabin culture and escapism, really. For me, that's how it started. I've been dreaming about cabins and renting cabins and going to cabins at, like my entire adult life and dreaming about them even long before that. And six years ago, it resulted in my first cabin purchase that we turned into an Airbnb, but it wasn't one that I built. It was a foreclosure and we did a lot of work on it. And then this past year, actually buying land in Maine and for the first time from like start to finish, really getting to have a lot more control over it. And that one is also now an Airbnb. And so it feels like there's these two parts of my world that don't really overlap a whole lot, um, but keep me creatively interested and energized. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, I did you know what? I try not to over dig on my conversations, the people I have on, because I like to be the same as my listener and just be, I had no idea you were into photography. And that's really interesting. There's a couple of things I want to touch on the balance of the way you serve through your business, through, through your um, videography and the balance of the way you serve yourself inside your business, you know, and, and the two other women mm -hmm. is like, gosh, that is it for me right now. I'm trying to figure out how to not grind, not burn the candle and figure out how to balance it all and serve, but also serve myself. I find it endlessly fascinating because I grew up with the programming of like productivity and like it needs to be done right. And, you know, like rest is, is comes later and mm -hmm man, it's so hard. It's so hard to balance those two of like, there's something inside of me that I need to share and serve people with this like magic that I have, but also like, I can't do that from an empty cup. That's like the oldest metaphor in the book, but mm -hmm. truly. Right. And I find it really challenging. Also, I have two children and we're a military family. So for me, this, the kind of like entrepreneurship is like, so front of mind for me, but then like gets dropped to the bottom of the list really quickly when everything else needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I see you as just like a creative. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have like special glasses that I can see the people that I, I tend to tell people, like, I see something like really special in them and they're like, huh, I, I didn't, you know, I don't really see that for myself, but <laughs> it's really cool. Did you go to uh, school for videography? No, self-taught. Cool. Mm -hmm. Very. Yeah. Cool. I, I majored in political science and women's studies and then did teach for America. So my first career was in education, got my master's in curriculum and instruction and was the dean of instruction. And then I started an ed tech company. So like whole different world, startup world, very social justice driven, very much. My focus in education was more on the opportunity gap and how do we help fix that in schools and creative elements to that for sure, but very different path. And I started doing video on the side while I was doing that and really enjoyed the part of my brain that it used that I didn't feel like I got to use very often. Mm. And that was the appeal. And then it wasn't really even on purpose that I started doing it full time. It was just the way the businesses were growing and it just kind of happened that way, but I'm not upset about it. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Cause it just kind of, you're letting you're following what's alive. I think that's, that's something that I've learned about myself in this last year. I used to think that I was a procrastinator and that I like, I had all these blocks. And once I figured out that I was a multi-passionate and like gave myself permission to like have a lot of interests. And then also the other side of that is like forcing myself to do things that I think should be done, whatever in my business or whatever. It's always just like an uphill battle that I've learned to follow what feels alive and that's like the easiest path and creates the most mm -hmm. magnetization, you know, can you clarify the kinds of videos? Like, do you work for other entrepreneurs or other businesses and create content for them? Or are you creating, what are you creating specifically? Yeah, we started in wedding films mm -hmm. and evolved our focus was really in story-driven wedding films. So not just pretty visuals and a nice song, but how do we use the audio from the day to actually tell a story-driven um, 
or how, how to create a story-driven wedding film. And that evolved into story-driven brand and marketing films. So that kind of moved us into commercial work. We still do weddings. And so it's mostly commercial work, though this year, we're in year 12 of the business. And this year is the first year that we've started chasing some of our own stories. So in addition to the client work and the weddings, we're starting with a series of short stories about people in our community that were nominated by other people. And we're using that to hone our storytelling skills, but doing it in a way that we have more control because they're the stories that we're pursuing. We're not being paid to do them. So we really get to practice, try new things in a way that we don't get to in a high stakes paid project. And then ideally this will move us more towards um, some documentary work. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, it's like I have body chills right now. I'm self-taught to hand lettering and like graphic design and all that kind of stuff. And the fastest way to be able to make the work you want is to like make the work that you want to make mm -hmm. and like show people that you're what you want to want them to know about you. Right. Like if you just stayed in that wedding lane because it was profitable, I suspect burnout or like, just like losing interest, you know, when, when you follow what, what you really want to do and then show people that you can do it. I think that that's just a brilliant way to go. The reality of that though, is that it's not easy to do that because of the demands of our economic system. Yeah. And as someone I'm getting married in a month, but I have been single for the majority of my entrepreneurial life, which has been interesting when networking with a lot of women where I had to support myself from day one. So it wasn't a game of like, whatever money I'm making is bonus money for our family, or right. I just have to pay for fill in the blank. It was, I had to pay for everything. So if I was going to leave my job and make this real, it had to be profitable. And the challenge now, part of that is fun because I do like the energy of creating a business and thinking about the logistical side of that and how do you grow a profitable business that is passion-driven but also sustainable, but it didn't leave a lot of time for passion work for a while. It wasn't until we started to grow a team and now we have a bit more bandwidth, but I do always hesitate to share that because it feels really nice to be like, we're able to chase our dreams now. But the reality is, is that there were like 11 years before this, that was a lot of hustle and a lot of, you know, business decisions before creative decisions. That is just like the reality of this work. But at least that's the, that's the path that I had to take. I think other people can figure out ways to do that maybe quicker or differently. But for me, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Sometimes I get really stuck on the idea. Like, I think time complicates, complicates things because there's no real timeline. Like sometimes I can be like, I have to hurry up and do this thing that I want to do or open, do this part of my business or like open my Etsy shop because I just opened my Etsy shop in April. I'd been wanting to do it for a very long time, but you know, it didn't feel alive. It was more of like that should energy. And then November came around and I started feeling very guilty of like, this is the time it should be open, you know, like, <laughs> and then it's all this pressure I put on myself. When I remove that timeline off, it's like when I was able to get it out, like I ended up having inspiration for doing like a month long launch and dropping a piece every day for my birthday month. And my birthday's at the end of April. And like, it was such a gift to myself. And then like that energy, I could get it done. But like the timeline of like, looking back, like you guys are exactly where you're supposed to be. And it took you 11 years maybe, but it's not like 11 years too long, you know, like it's just, it's, it's how long it took. And that's really exciting. So are you, so you do this cabin up here. Do you also have a fam, like a, are you doing one with your sister? That's a little bit further mm -hmm. at like yeah. family cabin too? On Sebec Lake. Yep. Did you, and did you go there as a child? Like mm -hmm. what's, what's with Maine? Yeah. Well, my grandfather was born in Maine and grew up in Maine but then moved to New York. And that's where my mom and her brother were raised. But during the summers, they would go up to Sebec Lake in Maine. And so we did too, growing up, my mom was very adamant that we would go every summer of our life. Even our first year of life, we were twins and she went up alone with two newborns, but was like adamant we're going to Maine. So she very much, her and her dad were both like lifelong Maine lovers. And obviously her brother who now lives there, 
permanently. (laughs) And she passed that on to me and my sister, but we were raised in Pennsylvania. And then I went further South to DC for school and then even further South for teach for America and love it in North Carolina. So stayed here, but always loved Maine. So continued to go up in the summers. And then when my mom passed away six years ago, I started going up more regularly because my grandparents were still there and her whole side of the family was there. So then I started going up three or four times a year, which was a lot more than I had gone up when I was growing up and I started joking that I was going to build, my uncle lives on a lot of land and my cousin ended up building a house on the land. And so I started joking that I was going to build a tree house in the woods behind their house and did have a secret dream of doing that, a tree house or a tiny house. I think we talked about a, a bunch of things. It was mostly in jest. Sure. Um, but the thought was there of eventually I would like to build a place in Maine. And luckily my cousin is a builder. So that made the dream a little more, more realistic. And so it was during COVID that I finally, um, both my grandparents died. And so with some of the money that they left me, I felt like there was no more appropriate use of it than to invest in some land in Maine. And that's, honestly, we looked briefly for land, but when we found the piece that we're on, it was like the perfect piece of land and we knew it. So it was just like, let's go, let's do this. And that's how it started. And it couldn't have been a better time, not necessarily in terms of finances and build costs that we were on the earlier end of that, but just in terms of COVID and business had slowed down a lot and we weren't going anywhere. So I had a lot of time at home and it gave me a project to work on where I didn't feel quite so isolated or bored. I had this like a big thing. And then I started an Instagram account to document it and ended up finding the surprising community of other cabin lovers and other dreamers that became actually a really big source of like social support for this huge extrovert that was like an unexpected pleasant surprise of it. Oh, that's so cool. Can you talk about Raven House and kind of fill everybody on who that is and what the deal is? Yeah, I did not know about Pete Long or the Raven House cabin until the early start. So we had put an offer in on the land and I knew like, okay, now is the time to come up with a design. And I had honestly like done designs on graph paper literally since I was in like third grade. So I had like so many ideas of what this very cozy space would feel like. Um, But of course, like everyone does, I went on to Pinterest and Instagram to start saving images. And I had a designer that I had talked to who was a friend of mine. And I just wanted to show him ideas of like what I was envisioning. And um, I kept finding myself drawn to these same images and they were all from the same cabin, which was this Raven House cabin. Um, and so I, I ended up buying the plans because they weren't that expensive. They were like $125 for the original plans. And I bought them and I looked at them and realized that they didn't have a bathroom or running water. <laughs> so I messaged, which is like super cool for some people. And I love that idea, but we knew we wanted to retire there, number one, and to rent it. And I just knew that it was going to be more rentable and better for our retirement if it had running water <laughs> and a bathroom. <laughs> so I, I, emailed Pete shortly after I got the designs or maybe I messaged him on Instagram. I can't remember. And I was like, I love your designs. I, you know, really like to build this, but I want like a slightly larger version of it or whatever. And he was really busy at the time, but about a month later he got back to me and was ready to chat. And we just kind of dove in almost immediately. He was like, okay, what are you envisioning? And so we started to customize the original Raven house plans by adding a bedroom and putting the loft above it, adding a bathroom. And then we ended up making a couple more changes to fit a utility closet for all the kind of ugly stuff we wanted to hide away. And we really worked through this for about a month. And once we were done, he ended up naming it and turning it into a separate set of designs that he now sells. And then we went ahead and started building. I think what I liked, I, I still can't quite explain it, but it just felt like whenever I saw the pictures of his place, it felt perfectly sized, perfectly rustic, perfectly cozy. I just, I don't even know what it was about it that just immediately, it just felt right. And that was enough information for me. And I went from there. And what's interesting is that I've gotten a lot of questions since starting the Instagram and since it's grown from people, we do mentoring sessions and people have asked, what's the secret to Instagram? And, you know, I can give them a bunch of the stuff that I do or whatever, but ultimately I really think at, at the very core of it is just that Pete's designs trigger something 
in me and other people that is different. It almost feels like simpler than a lot of the stuff we see, more natural, more, I don't, I still, I've tried to articulate this a bunch of times and I still can't, but it triggers something that we are just drawn to. And I honestly think above everything else on Instagram, that's what it is, is it's the design at the end of the day. Now our builders, my cousin and his company also did an incredible job with the finishes. So the combination of the design and their craftsmanship, I think just, um, I don't know, there's just something special about it. That's how I felt when I saw his first design. Yeah, there's definitely magic there. Um, I think for me, it is very intentional. Like it is paired back, but also everything that was chosen is perfectly intentional. I love the idea of like, A, everything having a place and B, only having exactly what you need slash desire. Like it's not like a minimalist thing for me because if you were to see my house, it's I'm not a minimalist, but- I want just intentionally being like everything I choose being like specifically dialed in. Yeah. And that's the vibe I get from, from it. And Mm. I think that's why we're going down the path of building a short-term rental. And I am super excited to do that with the frame of it being a short-term rental where you can make choices, paired back choices that you wouldn't necessarily be able to make in a home, like in a a long-term home, you know, and I'm really excited. I was just so grateful. I found your account because I don't, I don't follow a ton of accounts like yours. I just, you know, sometimes I just follow, like, I just have like a few people that are reminding me that are just like a little bit further Mm. down the road, that it is a real thing that I can achieve because I come from a family that does not, I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family. You know, I just come from a very safe, like um, hardworking middle-income family with not a lot of risk-taking and not a lot of like, we, I lived in the same house my entire life, you know? So for me, I need to surround myself with people that are taking those chances and making those choices. And then the design is just like spot on. It's beautiful. I, mm-hmm. I love it so much for you. Like I look at yours and I think, yes, that's perfect for you guys. And I can immediately like see what mine is going to look like. And that really Mm -hmm. thrills me because for me to be able to design a space to serve people, this unplugged retreat is like such a gift. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing, every time I get to the cabin, the first thing I do is just read the guest book. Mm. And the ones that are most special to me are the ones that talk about those kinds of things of it just being because for me, it truly is an escape when I'm there. And it is like the one place where I can turn my brain off. I can slow down. I can just be like really happy. And that was from like the first night that I stayed there. I felt that. So the idea that we can share that with other people and that they can actually feel the same way there. Cause it, it seems to make sense that I would feel that way there. I made all the choices and it's my space, but for other people to also feel like that. And a lot of them say it's the most at home I've ever felt away from home is something we've heard a handful of times. But I think when I see the opportunity for people to reconnect with themselves, but also their partner, because it's a lot of couples who stay there, to me, that is the greatest gift. Because it is certainly that way for the two of us when we're there. And I love that other people can feel that. And it's part of why we did not put a television in but we spent a lot of time curating a bookshelf so that everybody could find something that not just to pass the time, but that they'd really enjoy reading. We have a lot of games that two people can play. We really like to play um, Yahtzee when we're there. We also have this like card game of questions for couples to help like connect more deeply. It's part of our relationship and we like love that game, but we put it there. I don't actually know if people have used it, but I like to think that they have because it is just more ways to help um, refocus in terms of what you're normally paying attention to. Oh, a hundred percent. I think when you're designing the space to focus on how you want the people to feel, you know, is like such a game changer. When I go away now, like with my husband, um, we only get like little snippets of time. Mostly I used to plan things for us to do. So we make sure we're using our time well, whatever. And now I plan for how I want to feel. And Mm. then like, so like, I want to feel adventurous. I want to feel cozy. I want to feel, and then like, as the time approaches, 
slotting in the things that we feel that will like access those feelings feel so much more like aligned because it's not, because then you're not like creating an itinerary that you actually maybe don't want to follow. And so I want to extend that. And I think that you do a great job in this space is extending that intentionality into the spaces so that it's energetically, it's easy to drop into. I think that's really cool. How big is your, is your land there? And is it surrounded by woods? It's three acres and it is on a street in like a residential, I don't know that neighborhood is the right word, but there are other houses around, but we're on three acres and we back up to the backside of other lots. So it is surrounded with woods, but you're also only seven minutes to Freeport and only about 20 minutes from Portland, which is where the airport is and obviously lots of other stuff. So it's an interesting, this is partially why I fell in love with it, an interesting location because it feels very isolated. And when I'm there, I feel away from the world. And yet I'm only a couple minutes away from good places to eat, from the ocean, from hiking trails, from a city. And so there's a lot of stuff to do as well, if you want to. And it's interesting because when I read the guest book, I learned that like people tend to do our guest book is full of suggestions of things that people can do and people tend to do them. But a lot of times they'll say like, but we really could have spent the whole time at the cabin or our favorite parts were the times that we spent at the cabin. So I think it really gives you that choice of whatever you want your vacation to look like or feel like. Yeah. We live in Maine in the lakes region. So Freeport's not that far from us, but specifically where we are, there's, there's 50 lakes in a 25 mile radius. And when we were thinking about where we wanted to be for this rental, I just had this moment. I went to a, a community planning meeting for my town because our town only has like 3,500 people. We're near Sebago Lake, if you're familiar. Anyways, yeah. And I went to this city or this town planning meeting and it just made me realize, oh, this is where I want to build my, the, the, the cabin, because like, we love living here. We just moved here two years ago. My husband's in the coast guard. He's retiring in two years. And this is where we are. We're done moving. We are here. And congratulations. uh, Yeah. It's, it's huge. And to know that before he's finished is like such a gift because they'll move us wherever we want to go. And I feel like I'm already backing into his retirement because I can at least like invest, like plant perennials and like know yeah. that I'm be here to see them. And this A-frame that we want to build, I want to build it in this town now because it's, it's gorgeous here and I want to invest into my town. Um, and it just feels really exciting to me to have this opportunity. My brand, Coco the Inspirationist, I believe everybody has a creative self. And I believe that to access our creative self and to nourish, she, she needs nourishment. And I think you do that by resting, by playing, and by giving yourselves the things that delight you and creating, right? And so that's what I want to transform this cabin into is a place for doing those things. And I just think that short-term rentals in the woods are like oh, such a gift because not everybody gets to to experience it, you know, but what you're describing, because there are, and and this is a source of constant conflict for me, like the short-term rental world that I'm very much a part of does not feel right to me a lot of the time because of what it's doing to local economies and affordable housing. And, you know, our cleaner in the mountains of North Carolina just recently told me that she could barely find a place to live full time, yet her job is cleaning all of these rentals, right? And it creates this like intense conflict. I mean, we're considering selling that one partially for that reason, but our fear is that someone will just buy it and then rent it because that's what the industry is, right? So this is a a much bigger societal problem that I personally feel like the government needs to have a hand in. But I think there are a handful and a growing group of people who feel the way that you do. And all of our rentals have been um, in places that we personally love. So we wanna be able to share them with other people and not doing, I, I think the real damage are big companies who are scooping up, I think apart, they're like leasing apartments and turning them into Airbnbs. And that's where I think we need to have a whole bunch of regulation. But I think it's this idea that not all short-term rentals are the same. And there are these hosts out there, and this is who I've been drawn to, who have taken a place in a community that they love and want to figure out a way to share that experience with other people who either can't afford to buy or it doesn't make sense to buy. If everyone's buying and building, 
what happens to our woods, right? Like we can't sustain that. So what if some people do it and then do open it up to other people rather than just themselves? So I think there's some magic there, but I do think there's a differentiation in, in how we host and why we host that changes the way that it interacts with the local communities and just our overall like world, what it does to it. So what you're describing is like exactly what I'm always like looking for or listening for when we're looking for Airbnbs when traveling. It's like which of these hosts like live here and love it here and want to show us around versus what hosts have 20 other properties and are just trying to make money off of it. Because I do think there's a big difference right now. And it's starting to become even more clear. Yeah, And I think as travelers, we have to ask ourselves those questions as to who we're supporting and what we're supporting. Oh, same. And I think that for me, it extends even further for like having that moment standing in the room with all of my fellow townspeople that are interested in creating this, this town as to how we see it. There was like a moment where they were like, and there's no short-term rentals in our town. I was like, boom, I want to be part of that. But then I want it to be a place where I can also gift maybe off-season time to families that need. We have a place in our town called Camp Sunshine, and it is a facility, a beautiful facility on Sebago Lake. And it's a place for organizations that support families with children with, with special medical needs, all sorts of stuff like that. And I just think about like what a service it is to provide that space, that connection to nature for families that are going through a tough time. And I want to be able to have a resource to offer people to, you know, offer my community. And I just think that it just gives me more leverage to share this abundance that we have. And it's interesting because my house is surrounded by woods. And I'd say like 75% of it is surrounded by the guy that lives up the street and across the street, he owns like 80 acres. And he was in that room that night. And I was just said to him the next morning, like, I want to build this A-frame in this community. And I think that it's going to be in a room of people like this, that I'm going to find this property because I don't feel like it's just going to pop up. There's a lot of little residential lots that pop up, but I don't think that what I'm looking for is going to just miraculously pop up maybe, but I don't know. And so he called me and he's like, I think we need to have a conversation. He's like, I think our spouses, we need to have a conversation. He's like, because I, we've been wanting to use our property in a way that we can share it ethically, use it. And, and I was just like, you know, this, this is all to be determined, but it's in that energy of like, I want to use this as an opportunity to, to share this world that I, I am so lucky to live in. I think that that creates so many ripples, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to the intersection of space and creativity, is, does anything come to mind that you, anything else that you'd like to share about? I hired an interior designer, a good oh, friend did of mine, you? Jordan. Yeah, Jordan Fairchild, because I have a strong eye for what I like and dislike, but I know that designing a good space that revolves around feel is like a really difficult skill of how you bring together all these things you like in a way that they actually go together. And if it were me, there'd be a bunch of items in the house that I really like, but there wouldn't be like a cohesive feel. And that's what Jordan is really good at is that she knows what I like, but she also knows when to say no to me. (laughs) And you know, that's really nice, Janice, but it doesn't go with the bed or the desk that we picked out. So we're going to need to like move this direction. And so I don't feel like that is my particular skill set. I have strong vision, but I know that I need other people to help execute that in a way that um, protects me against my worst instincts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Yeah. You're really good at hiring for the things that are not your strong suit, it seems. That's yeah, wonderful. that's wonderful. Does your designer live up here or Mm-mm, North Carolina? Oh, cool. That's so cool. I've, it's so wild what we can do remotely and like co-create. Yeah. It's so, it's so neat. I have yeah. a friend who's a designer too. And like, she does lots of local stuff, but also it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Right. That's right. COVID I think has been a gift in, in that way by just expanding our minds beyond what we thought was capable into like, you know, this COVID, I met a lot of, I was in like 
some programs that were other, you know, entrepreneurs. And it's, I've made some really wonderful friends that over the internet, like I have a friend that lives in South Africa. Like, I don't know when I'm going to meet her, but boy, do I love her, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. just like on Marco Polo all the time. And it's just, a, the internet's a really awesome place if you let it be. I like to remind myself that because yeah, it can also be a really gross place, so. I know, I know. And I struggle with it because there are days where I want to give it up completely. And then there's so many positive sides of it that have benefited me personally, socially, uh, economically in terms of my business. And especially right now with Airbnb going through changes and hearing a lot of complaints from hosts about their ability to book and realizing that like none of our bookings actually come directly from Airbnb. They all come from Instagram made me very grateful though. That was part of our vision at the beginning is that I didn't know what kind of rental market Freeport was. I've come to learn that it's probably a pretty good one, though I don't actually know that for sure because all of our bookings have mostly come from Instagram. But um, so it started as like, I want to show people Freeport and how can I create a way to like find people who wouldn't have otherwise traveled here and get them to come here and see the things that we love about it. But also it was just, I'm a documentarian at heart and have always documented my life. So a huge part of it was just, um, how do I document this process in a way and quickly found that as a connecting point with other people who were building, other people who wanted to build, other people who had already built. And there was this community out there that I wasn't actively a part of before other than scrolling on Instagram that became really fun for me. And that would be hard to disconnect from now, though there are certainly challenging parts about it. Oh, that's, that's really cool. It's been interesting to watch you share. And also, so the way you book is you open seasons in advance and that's cool. You offer it up to your email list first. Is that how it mm -hmm. works? Yeah. Do you think that a lot of your bookings, people are flying here? No, a lot. I mean, I'd be, I'm surprised by how many are even within Maine and how many have come from like Portland, which is like 15 to 20 minutes away. There are a handful that are flying, especially last summer. Um, we got a lot of honeymoons and I don't know honeymoons, anniversaries, birthdays, and I don't know if people are just telling me about it less now or we're booking less of those and just more getaways, but it felt like at the beginning, it was almost all like people celebrating something and we still get a fair amount of that, but um, yeah, I don't know if people are just telling me about it less. It feels like there were more at the very beginning than there were now of those like big when did holidays. you When did you launch? When did you open your doors? the end of July of last year. So it's almost been a year or will be a year in July. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm sure people, I'm sure you're getting the people in the beginning that like things are on wicked hold for, cause of yeah. COVID, you know, that's so wonderful. And you are fully booked for this summer. Do you and Sean stake out your time up there before you open? I assume. Yeah, that's honestly the reason why we do our calendar the way that we do it. I think there are other business advantages I've learned to doing it this way, but originally it was just because this was our place first and foremost, and we wanted to make sure that we got to use it. So by open and, and because of my business, I can't always plan six to 12 months in advance to block weekends off. So doing it this way, like we're getting ready to launch our fall calendar right now. So every night, Sean and I are like looking at calendars and trying to figure out where we're traveling, where, and when we want to block off the calendar so that we can go up there and then buy plane tickets. Um, so it allows us to do that first before we open it up to anyone else. And then if we change our mind, we can always open up our dates and do like a last minute cancellation, which we do via email. Um, but it also has allowed us to play around with pricing as we learn more about the seasons and supply and demand. It's also allowed us to save room for photographers if we want to book different photographers to come in and capture it. And then eventually what we want to do is each season, we want to give away one stay, um, not like a random drawing, but we want people to nominate. So each season there would be like a different theme or, or something like that. We haven't quite figured it out yet. We're still playing around with it. And then folks will have a window of a couple of weeks to nominate people who like really need a break or a getaway and have earned it for a variety of reasons. And then we will pick one and give it away um, each season. And if we just had an open calendar, it would be a lot harder to do that. But 
the way that we do it now, we could pick them, let them have first pick of those dates and then open it up to everyone else. So I think there's a lot of advantages to it. I also think, you know, I was a part econ major in, in college. And so I can't help but think about the like supply and demand. And when there's this limited supply at a time, then it, it does create a sense of urgency. That was not our intention at first, but it certainly helped us fill the calendar uh, pretty quickly. That's cool. So, and you're, and you're yeah. getting married there next month. Yeah. Which is another, that made me really grateful that we do it the way that we do it because we were supposed to get married in Mexico in February. And then due to COVID and Omicron ended up canceling that. And had we had just an open calendar, the odds of us being able to block off two weeks in July, it never would have happened. Right. And so the fact that we just hadn't opened the summer calendar yet meant that we could pick any date we wanted in the summer, block that off first before opening it up for anyone else. So it made me very grateful that we do keep it a priority for us to be able to use it first so that we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice because once you like, you can fall into the trap of just getting rolling and making the money and then expecting that money. That's right. Right. And so prioritizing your use is, is really important. Uh, yeah. And, and I do all the financials on it and I just try not to even think about the lost costs because we block off at least one weekend every month and have since the very beginning. And so my expectations of what we would and could make started at that kind of decreased point. So I never, I just really like turn off that part of my brain of thinking about like how much it costs us to stay for a weekend instead that's just built in yeah and I don't think about it which helps yeah yeah I have a specific question about the plans of the house when you were Mm -hmm. planning it were you always kind of planning on couples just having two people because the way that the loft is it's like you have a sleeping zone right and the door Mm -hmm. like the sleeping area there's a door there and there's a bed downstairs and then there's stairs that goes up to the loft. So you have like a sleeping zone, but the loft is open to the bottom, right? Is that accurate? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So our vision was originally, um, well, first of all, our vision was about our uses. And so we were thinking about our retirement. And so we wanted at least one bed on the main floor so that if we were 80 and couldn't climb stairs, we would be able to sleep downstairs. And then I have a very small family. So the second thing I thought about was in an ideal world, I'd like to be able to sleep my sister, her husband, their two little boys and my dad. And so um, there's plenty of, it would be crowded, but we grew up at camp where everyone was crowded in and that just is what it is. So that was part of our vision too, is we wanted to be able to host everyone there. Turns out now that we have the lake house that we probably won't ever host everyone there. So that doesn't matter. But that was honestly the number one thing I was thinking about. So we have a second loft too, that you can put a ladder up and get up there. We don't open it up to guests, but for us, that would fit my entire family in this 800 square foot cabin. And then eventually we thought about building a bunkhouse. So when the boys got older in the back of the land, we would build like a small bunkhouse where the boys could go sleep. So first of all, that was our priority. When we thought about renting, the priority was couples. It was meant to be for couples, digital nomads, traveling or single people. I have a secret dream that someone will come there and write a book there. Cause I just think it's the perfect place to do that. So maybe it'll be me, who knows. Um, and so it was really for couples and we're actually thinking about taking the bed out of the loft and turning that into a second living space with a couch and a larger coffee table that you could do puzzles on, play board games on um and using it for that but we haven't done it yet because we've booked four people for the next couple seasons so we have to like time that with when we open up a calendar and more clearly say it's only for couples at that point because we'll lose a bed doing that but we find that when we're there we always sleep downstairs and I love the loft but we don't spend much time there because we're sleeping downstairs so we want to make that space a bit more usable for couples yeah the loft is wonderful I love it so much it's one of the priorities of, of what I, what I want. I want to have a little loft area too, over the living room. Where is the loft that's inaccessible to guests? Where does it's on the other side of the house above the kitchen and the doorway? Yeah. It's very simple. It just fits a queen bed. And eventually we're going to build a ladder. Um, we have a ladder in the shed. That's just, you know, a big metal one that when we need to get up there, we use that, but eventually we'll build like a nicer wood one. Um, and use that. But before we open it up for guests, we need to like put a railing up there and we may or may not ever open it up for guests just for, you know, safety reasons. And also it's kind of nice to have at least one part where that's off limits and we can store stuff up there or do whatever we need. 
Yeah. I saw you creating like your ceremony area. Isn't it so amazing to create space in the woods, usable space in the woods? It brings out the child inside of me. We have a a camp site on the back of our property and um, a platform. And just last weekend, we like extended it and made the second level back behind it. And I'm just like, this is it. This is like the most fun. I love creating spaces in the woods so much. I have equal part joy and equal part sadness because usually creating spaces in the woods involves some sort of destruction of what was there. And that's how I felt when we were clearing, because we cleared the lot ourselves with, I mean, not ourselves, with my uncle and cousin who brought over an excavator and a bunch of chainsaws. So we could not have done it without them, but we were there for it and definitely hauled wood for a good three or four days. And it made me very sad because I had fallen in love with this piece of land. And then you just watch it lose some of its personality with every tree that you take down. And so we, it's also just unfortunately a requirement of the process. So we were really careful about saving everything that could be saved for either firewood. Um, The tree cookie wall inside came from the smaller trees that we cut down And then now all of the 50 stumps that we're using for the ceremony are all the larger trees that we cut down that we've now cut into stumps. And then after we're done with that, we'll cut them all into firewood and and use them for the wood stove. But I will say setting up that space, it felt really good to do it with stumps from the trees in that space, because I do really like being out there and using it, but I always feel this pull of like, you know, there were animals that would regularly come here every day. And now they come and they're like, what is this? What happened to like where I used to come? And that makes me feel sad. And every time I see a deer, I wonder what they're thinking and, you know, how they feel about us being there. So the more that we can do that in a way that feels like it integrates with what was there, certain parts of that are impossible, but as much as we can, makes it a little bit more joyful. Oh, that's such an interesting perspective because the house that we bought here is, uh, was brand new to us or brand new. And, and so it's just like a little lot that's cleared surrounded. We have like eight acres and it's all wooded. And actually it's kind of like the opposite thinking it's, I did not grow up being in the woods and there's definitely been like a certain level of comfort that I'm gaining as I'm just out there and creating trails and all that kind of stuff. And it helps me to think about the property that got cleared and the animals that mm-hmm. used it. And it helps me remember like, like, cause a lot of people that aren't used to being in the woods come here and they're like, aren't you worried about like animals? It reminds me that like, if I'm allowed to just like build a house on this land, then like every other thing is allowed to be exactly where they are and we're yeah. all allowed to be here. And it's really helped me get over like being scared of bugs. Although we have a, ge- a gecko, a-, a leopard gecko. And the other night, the most horrifying thing happened. We have dubia roaches to feed him and they're like <sighs> this big. And I don't know how it happened, but my son dropped the container and there was 13 dubia roaches just went like on this, on this carpet. That was like a very busy carpet. And I was just like screaming to my husband and I was like, you have to come here right now. Like I've been working on my insect comfort level, but like, this is too much. This is like too much, but I try and remember. And when I'm out there, we made a when we first moved here, I was like, I want to just make a path all the way around the edge of our property. And I did. And it's just the coolest thing. I I just, I love being in the woods. It's so nourishing. I think that it just reminds me we are humans and this is, this is our environment and we need this. And, and if my husband lived in Brooklyn for six months, just recently, and his mental health definitely suffered Mm. like a constant noise. And this is, this is his, I'm like looking out at the woods, like this is his norm now, which is a, such a gift to our life. And like him not being in it for six months, I can, I can see it. And now that he's back, like all he wants to do is just hang up the hammock and go sit in the woods somewhere, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. so I think it's such a gift that we can give people with the, with the rentals. And it's been such a joy to watch you. And I'm excited to see all the fun things you share. And thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate this conversation. I wish you the best of luck for your wedding, that it's as magical as you imagine it will be. 
Thank you. Yeah. And let me know about that community you're thinking about starting with other short-term people, because I think the intentionality is really important to surround ourselves with those types of people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for inviting me. All right. What do you think? Wasn't that great? And I didn't mention before in the intro, but this episode drop is perfectly timed because her and Sean, her now husband, just got married this past weekend. And I know we recorded this about a month ago, but it was really fun to hear her talk about how they were going to do all these things. And then I just got to be a witness to it on Instagram. And it was really fun to see all her vision come true and have it be so aligned with the cabin and I hope that I've given you a bit of like cabin fever with this episode and obviously there will be more content coming your way as I go and build our A-frame but I hope you enjoyed this conversation if you did would you do me a huge favor please 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 leave me a review it means so much to me it helps get the podcast out there into the world I really love doing this and I would love for this community community to grow and just be able to reach more people because I believe we all have a creative self and this is my work in the world and I'm so excited to help other people align, ignite, inspire, and we all deserve to feel more connection with creativity. It is truly such an amazing gift to ourselves and we're the only ones that can give it, you know, truly to ourselves. And I just am so glad you're here. So leave me a review. Follow me over on Instagram. It's at Coco the Inspirationist. My Etsy shop is Inspirationist Art. And gosh, I just am so proud of myself. I keep adding pieces. I added a new piece this past week, or maybe it was last week. But I'm just so tickled to see all my work in one place. And it looks so you know, it's, it's different. It's all different, but it's all pretty cohesive and I just couldn't be prouder. So please. And if you'd love to have some, a specific commission done, please DM me. Commissions are kind of always rolling open on a, um, specific job basis. Um, in the, in the vein of following what feels alive, I also only take projects that I feel excited about. So, If you want to collaborate, send me a DM. If you're enjoying this podcast, leave a review. If you want to start a conversation and just say hi, send me a DM. I love, I love connecting with people that my message is resonating with. So anyways, it is time to wrap it up. I hope you guys have an awesome week and go enjoy this summer. If you're in summer and, uh, I hope you guys have a great day. Remember, you are worthy. You are enough. We all have a creative self. And let's make some time this week to connect with nature, to rest, to play, and to give ourselves the things that delight our creativity. So until next time, bye guys.